0: Thank you for coming to the podcast, Top Turtle MMA podcast, brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu makes the world's thinnest, most lightweight, durable mouthguard. You can talk, you can breathe, you can drink, all with the mouthguard in your mouth. If you ask me, that's some amazing shit. Head on over to sisuguard.com, find the right mouthguard for your sport or activity. Sisu Mouthguards brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA podcast on flowcombat.com, and it starts right now. are rolling i am david tremonti joined by my co-host daniel gumby breeland top turtle mma podcast on Flowcombat.com. we of course are available on the mothership flow combat also tune in stitcher soundcloud itunes to name a few really wherever a podcast can be streamed Gumby, one of the things we pride ourselves on is getting right into it. And after a three-week UFC lull, after all the Conor versus Floyd hype, the UFC presented us with Fight Night Rotterdam. What were your big takeaways?
1: Uh, the big takeaway for me seems to be the influx of Russians. Uh, I mean, like not that we haven't had like a ton of Russian dudes in MMA, but like all of a sudden now we have a heavyweight contender, and I'm going to say the word contender, after, even after just beating Stefan Struve. I mean, Volkov is legit like a top-eight guy, maybe even higher, maybe top-six guy in the UFC heavyweight division he's right now. He's 3-0 in the UFC now, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to say he's 3-0. He beat Tim Johnson. Now he's beat Stefan Struve, and I want to say... Is there one more in there? The intern's looking it up. All right, the intern's on it. But yeah, I, I think a win over Stefan Struve and in the fashion that he did it makes him legit. And on top of that, he did what we've kind of been waiting for from a Russian fighter after a win too, to say that it's time to bring fights to Russia. Uh, you know, it, It's something Habib has barely ever even said, and Habib has a platform to say that kind of stuff. So it, it, he looked really, really, for me, and it sounds silly to say it this way, put Russia on the map again.
0: Uh, so he is 3-0 and in the UFC. I believe he's Nikolai Volkov, the WWE wrestler's son. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the K, the TKO, very impressive after a split decision over Timothy Johnson, which mm-hmm. isn't gonna shake up the world. And then a decision over Roy Nelson, obviously yep. very tough to, uh, beat. I think that's the, the last fight that, uh, Hoy Nelson had in the UFC, and now he's with Bellator. But the bottom line, I agree with you. I mean, listen, the UFC heavyweight division is the in so if this guy can be the flag bearer for russian mma at the biggest division the ufc has really the money division so to speak where the baddest men on the planet reside
1: uh yeah it's interesting yeah and and i think too you know you you talked about the heavyweight division division being thin and typically you have to fight a bunch of unranked guys right because uh, it's so thin that you can't just fight all the top guys. All three of the guys he's fought so far have been ranked in the top 10 or 15. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I mean, they're not (laughs) world beaters.
1: You're right. But like, you know, I, and I can tell from the tone of your voice, but, he still beat three top ranked guys.
0: Why was this card in Rotterdam with all the Russians on it? Why wasn't it not in? I, I, they couldn't have picked a province of Russia. Or I, I some, mean,
1: I, I think there's still difficulties getting it into Russia. With, I, I mean, obviously there's tensions between the United States and Russia, and, and that's a whole another talk for a whole different kind of podcast. But so I think there's some of that, but also just in general, Stefan Struve's a big deal in in the Netherlands mm-hmm. uh, and, and whether or not we see him as a future contender or we he see isn't. him as a, as a world beater or what, he no isn't. matter what we see him as mm-hmm. he's selling tickets over there.
0: Right. Uh, now let's go through this. So Bada Zara beat Rob Wilkinson via TKO, mm-hmm. uh, Tysimov came back after what, like a year or so off. Mirbek Taisimov, yep. Yeah. Uh, KO'd Felipe Silva with one devastating punch. Habelov beat Des Green via decision. I like that fight. And then I saw the future of the UFC. Zabit Maganemesh beat Mike <laughs> Santiago. Via I've been waiting n- for you to say that name. By yeah. The way. <laughs> I'll just call him Zabit and that's what people are going to call him. Uh, Mark Henry fighter, Frankie Edgar trains with him. Edson Barbosa trains with him. They've all sung his praises. It was his UFC debut. He got a rear naked choke on Mike Santiago in the second round. Here's what impressed me about him. He is Yair Rodriguez 2.0 and I like him better than Yair at featherweight and I'll tell you why one he's a grappler who does not want to play off his back like Yair does we know doesn't work in modern day MMA his takedown defense is incredible and his kicks are flashy as fuck just like Yair comparing the flashy they might
1: be be flashy I was gonna say it's almost tough but like crazy to say that shit but they might be flashier
0: I I mean if I could buy stock in a fighter right now I'd put everything on Zabit I was so impressed with him
1: yeah and and let's just throw this out here. How great would it be to just pair him up with Yair? I'd love it. Oh, my God. What a fucking fight that would be.
0: I'd pick Sabbath too, because, again, he's a grappler who doesn't want to play off his back like Yair. It's something that really—and I'm a Jits guy, but it pisses me off about Yair that he's
1: so quick to go to his back— and, and he, he gets complacent there too. It's gets, not that he he when he doesn't find anything for two or two or three rounds, he's still there. And Yeager
0: doesn't even have a submission in the UFC, right? For being a jits heavy guy, um, he doesn't. I don't think.
1: I, I, I want to see he has one, or
0: maybe he had one in the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, TKO lost to Frankie Edgar. TKO win over BJ Penn. KO over Andre Feely, and then the rest are just decisions.
1: Yeah. Wow. So yeah. No. No submissions for a dude who's complacent to play off his back. It's silly, but you're right. So now you know. Back to switch gears and talk about Zabit one more time. Zabit doesn't want to be there. You try to take Zabit down. He's he's not going to let you. He gets his underhooks. He tosses you. He's got a great wizard. I mean, I I think you're right. If you're you're putting stock in somebody, or you're buying stock in a fighter. I am buying it in Zabit right now. Hat tip
0: to you, Rodriguez did have a uh triangle choke in the quarterfinals of the ultimate
1: fight. Okay, so I, I did remember him choking somebody out. <laughs> but uh, yeah.
0: I mean, obviously no, he's very good when it comes to grappling, but I'm just saying, I mean, listen, in Zabit's first fight, he locked in that rear naked choke. Yair is yet to have an official win by submission. Uh I just I couldn't be more impressed. I do hope the UFC gets over to Russia, maybe headlined by uh Volkov or uh Habib. But obviously the talent is there and, you know, they're not shying away from it even though these guys have names that look like you know an eye chart um <laughs> and uh i'll tell you though let's talk about the card as a whole though because it was really kind of name value wise very sad and coming out of a three-week ufc lull you kind of wish there was more we head into ufc 215 which is really lackluster i gotta say as they let more and more guys go to bellator and you had a really good conspiracy theory that it's becoming a little bit more like boxing mm-hmm. in the uh you know in the william morris owned zufa era uh they still call it zufa, uh, they kept the parent company but it's like there's a really high uh top of the class you know the one percenters they're getting
1: rid of the middle class
0: there's no middle class and then there's a lot of jobbers that they're hoping turn into stars so then you get a card like this where it's just like where the frick was the name value it just wasn't there it was
1: it was a whole bunch of guys trying to make their breakthrough, and trying to become that next-level guy.
0: And I'm fine with that if it was more of a local... Like, again, you know, when they can book, like, a Chris Weidman in Long Island, and, you know...
1: And then all all the New York guys they had on that card, is what we are talking about. Because they had John Volante. They had... Dennis Bermudez. They had fucking Mc- Shane Burgos. And that's awesome when you compare that, but this felt like such a misplaced card,
0: because it was like the coming out party of all the Russian fighters.
1: Yeah, Kareem Abdul, uh, or uh, Abdul Kareem Adilov, too, who you didn't even mention. Uh, be Bojan Mahalachovic via TKO. Yeah, and uh, again, a, another guy who,
0: who is coming into a division that badly needs depth. So, I don't know if that's like a Joe Silva's not there anymore thing, but it just feels like this was a missed opportunity in a way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and in in again it's probably has a lot to do with logistics. But but you probably could have even just put it somewhere closer to Russia than than Rotterdam is. Yeah.
0: So other than that, since we last spoke, Gumby, hasn't been a ton of news. You know, Ben Askren's gonna be taking his retirement fight against Shinya Aoki here in the fall. It'll be Ben Askren's last fight. I feel like what a waste
1: that we never got to see him in the UFC mm. if that is true. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more too. Uh and it's not like he's not facing decent competition over there. I mean, he's probably facing the same tier as he did when he was fighting in Bellator right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but, have no problem it, with the competition, really. But it also felt kind of like a waste when he was in Bellator, right? Like It's just not the UFC. Yeah, and, and even it's it's kind of fucked up, too. As soon as he left... Bellator created a 170 division worth watching. Right. 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 Like right. could you oh, imagine Him versus Rory? Come him, on. Him sign versus me Rory, up. sign me up. God fucking damn. I mean damn. Him versus Paul Daly I'd watch. Him versus fucking uh who's the other Russian there too that they've got. So th- there's so many matchups there in Bellator for him and and, and now he's over in 1. Yeah, it's kind of sad. It, it is just sort of a
0: missed opportunity there too. Uh, and then as far as um rumored fights right right about now home holly home open to fighting cyborg for that 145
1: pound title i think that's the move i think that's the matchup they originally wanted at 145 it's 100% the one they really wanted but at the same time is is one of these guys who sits here and wants the titles to mean something doesn't it seem kind of fucked up? She got beat for the title, then went back and fought in a different division, it and was, then gets to fight for the title again in that division. It was
0: a sketchy kind of situation, yeah, though. The I, hits after the bell. The controversial the bell, decision, pokes in the eyes. Yeah. And then the girl who won didn't want to defend it against Cyborg. And Fuck then, her. So and she was
1: supposed to fight this weekend. What's the
0: deal with <laughs> your girl, Megan Anderson? Have we even heard what is she? She's not even signed by the UFC. I,
1: I think she's signed by the UFC officially, actually. okay. Uh, I think when she signed the Cyborg fight... I mean, they did a poster with her face on it, so I mean, like, I'm pretty sure they have the rights to her still. So I think she's just figuring out whatever it is pulled her out, and she's been very public about the idea that she doesn't want she doesn't want to tell people what went on. It, it's her business, and no, it's that's not fine. Our I just I'd like to yeah. hear when's her next vote. Yeah, I, I want to see her in there. I mean, like, and and if you're gonna build that 145 division, if it's gonna actually be a division, it's not just gonna be where people go up from 135 to challenge Cyborg. Uh, She's somebody who's got to be there.
0: Uh, now, what were your thoughts on the news came out? Dana White saying 6.5 million buys for Conor Floyd. Uh, Showtime execs were saying it probably beat Pacquiao maybe in the 4.5 million range. Dana might have been speaking more to the global audience. I think it was 4.5 domestic. Yeah, that was like
1: it, it, that, that clip of him saying 6.5 is like a shaky cell phone clip that one of his buddies took. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What did you think? Oh, though? what did I think of it? I, I mean... I think you're probably right. I think he's probably talking more on a global scale. And uh, yeah, it's probably closer to the 5 million mark than anything else. Um, it, I mean, if Showtime's saying 4.5, I, I can't imagine Showtime would undersell their numbers, right? Like that, Or maybe I'm just so used to Dana White and everybody oversells it. But uh, maybe companies actually do undersell. But I imagine they're probably closer to the truth seeing as they're not um, – they're not any reason to lie. Bottom line is, it was fucking big. And it, it was I, amazingly <laughs> big. I mean, like the. Um, and, uh, did you hear the number that three million people they assume watched the fight illegally? Yeah, and sure, I, that that's the most ridiculous number I've I, ever heard in my life. I think that's conservative. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I just I think well because we know how many people we we've seen in our lives illegally stream pay per views. So, so the fact that we know that many, and on top of that. There are so many more.
0: So here's my takeaway on the whole thing. You know, when it comes to the corporate exec types, they don't um, when this sort of thing happens, they don't slap themselves on the back and say, good job, Jim. And then sail off into the sunset and send each other Christmas cards. Obviously, there's a market for this and they can overdo it or they can make it special. And once every five years have a boxer come over to the UFC, have a UFC fighter go over to boxing. But I cannot imagine, and I'm not saying it'll be Conor and Floyd again per se, but when these guys' jobs, you know, your CEOs and your CFOs and your COOs and EIEIOs, when it's their job to create revenue for a company like William Morris Endeavors, which is $6 billion in the hole for the UFC, for the suits over at Showtime, I just have to think we're going to get some other type of crossover sometime in the next few years. You don't just have this happen and say, all right, cool stuff,
1: guys. See you in 10 years. I couldn't agree with you more, and I think it's even more likely to happen now given the fact that a whole bunch of boxers and a whole bunch of UFC fighters just watched that and went, damn. Yeah. Damn. Get me some of that. Look what just happened. They should know, first of all, that they're not Conor, and they should know ahead of time that they're not Floyd. Because nobody sells fights better than those two in their yes, respective absolutely. sports. There's not a chance.
0: But here's my thing. If the UFC right now you take actually, yeah, I think the UFC this year take out the Jones Cormier fight, they're averaging somewhere between one fifty and three hundred thousand for their pay per view buys, which would have been suicidal levels back in the two 2000- thousand Right before they sold. <laughs> yeah. From two thousand nine to two thousand fifteen levels, right? So even if you're a Stipe Miocic and Alistair Overeem um, you know like a Max Holloway who's coming up right now I think all things told his fight versus Jose Aldo you know didn't set the world on fire but it also didn't bomb if you could get even a tenth of a percent of what Connor and Floyd just pulled off. Why the fuck wouldn't you be challenging a boxer right now to cross promotion?
1: Yeah, I, I can. I definitely agree with that. And and you know what? You might see it out of Steve Amiocic. Mm-hmm. but I will say the other name you mentioned there, you're not going to see it out of Max Holloway. Max Holloway's talked so much about just cleaning out that division. I think he's more of a sport purist. He just wants to fight the best dudes, um, and that's why you're going to see him fight Frankie next, and he'll probably fight, you know somebody else in that line before he fights anybody outside world.
0: Alright, well, that being said, we have UFC 215 coming up. We'll talk about that on the other side of this interview. We got a chance to catch up with, speaking of the 145-pound division, a very exciting fighter in the 145-pound division of the UFC. Uh, We've spoken with him before. It is Charles Rosa. We're big fans. We wanted to catch up with him. Uh, Haven't seen him since April, and we spoke with him about his last bout, amongst other things. This interview is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu makes the best mouthguard on the market. You can talk, you can breathe, you can drink. All Hold the mouth guard in your mouth. Head on over to sisuguard.com. Find the right mouth guard for your sport or activity. Sisu Mouth Guards brings you our interview with UFC fighter Charles Rosa.
1: This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte, and we are talking to Boston Strong, Charles Rosa, who fights Mizudo Hirota at Ultimate Fight Night Japan on September 23rd. Uh, Charles, uh, your last fight out UFC 210 against Shane Burgos, uh, you fought to an amazing fight of the night performance. Uh, we always like to ask our guests, "What did you do with the extra money?"
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Everyone keeps asking me that, but you know, I mean, I think I just. Uh... Pretty much, I just invested it, you know, put it away. My uh, grandfather always told me to invest wisely, so, you know, I put it away, you know, save it for a rainy day. You know, I'm, uh, I'm hoping when September 22nd comes, I'll be able to, you know, cash in and get a little bit more. And then, uh, you know, like always after the fight, I always go out, you know, try to go on a couple vacations, go to different places and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I don't really like to blow my money too much. I like to save it.
1: Yeah, did you, uh, did you go anywhere special
2: after this one? Uh, yeah, I went to... Um, I went to a bunch of places. I mean, I went to I went to Italy. I went to a couple of cool places. So you know, I mean, uh, pretty much. I kind of just like right after this fight, I went right back to training. So um, we're pretty much right back in camp. Right after that, I just you know I wasn't happy, obviously, with the result at the end. You know, come you know I was a little upset. The ref kind of jumped in and stopped the fight. But I mean, it, it was definitely a bittersweet defeat. You know, I got the bonus, mm-hmm. but still, still wasn't really. Uh, you know, the outcome I wanted. So I kind of just got right back in the camp, right back to training, and, uh, you know, uh, happy I get to go to Japan for this one.
1: Yeah, and and let's talk a little bit about that, too, because most of your fights, uh, you know, looking at it, are are pretty much in the Northeast. You know, you fought in Buffalo, and before that, when you were on the regional circuit, fought mostly for CES, which is up in Rhode Island. Yep. Uh, You know, haven't really gotten a chance to travel internationally very much. Are you looking forward to it? Uh, What preparations are you making for being able to, like, train and get ready while you're over there?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had a little bit of experience traveling internationally. I mean, I travel a lot, so, like, you know, I I mean, I like to think I'm, like, a world traveler. I go, out, I go over the place. I've been to Thailand, been to Italy, been to, uh, you know, I lived in Holland for a couple of months, trained uh, kickboxing on a few different occasions. I, I have a spot up there. I like to go in Amsterdam and stuff like that. So, I I mean, I have definitely uh, love to travel and stuff like that, so that's why I was really happy when I heard about the the fight in Japan because it's just another you know, place I get to go, I get to kind of do two things, I get to do the two things I love most traveling and fighting, so, and uh, you know, I mean, there's nothing more I love than going to, the, you know, other countries and fighting the best guys in their country, I mean, kind of like ever since I was a kid, watching, like, Bloodsport and all those cool <laughs> movies, and like, playing Street Fighter as a kid, and video games, like, it's always stuff I thought of as a little kid, and, and now it's, you know, I get to do what I love to do, I live my dream, so, um, but yeah, definitely, Um, as far as, you know, worried about you know, traveling and stuff like that. I fought Yeah Rodriguez in Mexico City with the elevation, and everyone was making a big deal at the elevation, and I ended up getting fired the night over in Mexico City. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of this stuff, and then I fought my uh, UFC debut against Tennessee for a European fighter, one of the mm-hmm. greatest Euro- European fighters there is, and I also got fired that night in that one too. So, you know, I think a lot of it's just mental. You know, it, it, it's a lot of it's in your mind. It's just mental. I mean, if you think it's going to affect you, it probably will and if you can block it out and tough it out, then, um, you know, uh, that's kind of the way I think about it, you know, I mean, usually your opponents kind of get to deal with the same thing, I mean, I'm sure my opponent's from Japan, the a Japanese guy, but he's probably dealing with the same pressures, you know, like, I know fighting in Boston, there's a lot of pressure having on your friends and family, there's a lot of pressure there and stuff like that, so, I mean, he's dealing with the same feelings I'm dealing with, and, uh, you know, like I said, I just can't wait to Right, we can't wait to get in the cage in lock and lock uh, horns and and uh, I go to war again. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you you mentioned kind of you know relishing that role of being the outsider. You, you've got another nice thing coming along with you too, fighting Harota. A, a lot of the people you fought against have been very pure strikers. Does it feel good again to to have kind of a guy in front of you who he seemingly he would be willing to grapple with you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, all the guys definitely I fought have all been really good pure strikers. I mean, uh, if you go through the whole list, you know, Dennis Seaver, obviously one of the best, yeah. one of the, one of the top strikers in the division for, you know, for, for about 10 years now, everyone knows that, you know, he's, he's made the spinning kicks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then Tony Rodriguez, who everyone knows, you know, one of the best Taekwondo guys in the, in the whole UFC. When I fought, uh, when I fought Sean Soriano, you know, he's also like a one kickboxer. He's mm-hmm. fought in glory and different organizations like that. So, um, and then obviously the last guy Shane Burgos, who's obviously stand up looks really impressive. He has you know super good power and stuff like that. He and he also looks great his last fight, and you know he's undefeated in the UFC and undefeated in his career. So I mean, definitely fought in some of the best strikers. And uh, you know I think everybody knows when they go in when when you know they they sign up to fight me that that the game plan isn't isn't to go to the ground. You know I'm a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu under Ricardo Laborio and Charles McCarthy and. uh I think everybody knows that's not the game plan, you know, and I mean, I mean, I mean, I feel like I'm probably one of the best you two guys in the division, and, uh, but, you know, I mean, that's why I've been working on my stand-up so much, you know, I, I work on my stand-up every day, do boxing, you know, I've been to Holland, kickboxing, working, you know, karate, I've trained with Steven Wonderboy Thompson, and stuff like that, and, you know, obviously training an American top team, I get, you know, some of the best wrestling and grappling in, but, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, I'd love for someone to be able to, you know, uh, to grapple with me a little bit and get to show off some more of my skills in the UFC for that, for sure.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, you've kind of, you mentioned Laborio and McCarthy, uh, you know, obviously with Mike Brown and, and Dean Thomas, too, behind you there, coming up with game plans. You've got every yep. single thing worked out. Uh, you know, going into this fight, you, you seem to be mentioning that you think he's just going to try to stand with you. Do you think that you're going to have to initiate takedowns here to get this to the ground?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think he's going to, he's going to, I mean, I've been wrestling every day. I mean, I mean, that's part of my schedule is wrestling every day. And, you know, I do see that he likes to try to take guys down, but when you watch him fight some of the best guys, like the best uh, jujitsu guys, he fought Ronnie Yaya and Rodrigo Dam, who are both jujitsu world champions. You know, I don't think he was trying too much to take either one of them down. He was trying to keep it on the feet. So, I mean, I mean, for me, it'll be a blessing if he tries to take me down. I mean, I really hope he does because, you know, that's where I'm strongest and that's where I like to be and that's where I'm most comfortable and I like to shine. But, you know, also if he wants to keep it on the feet, then, I mean, I mean, it's going to be a war and it'll be a good fight. I mean, I know he's tough, so he can take a shot. He's, he's definitely able to take some good strikes. But, uh, you know, I think I'm just a little bit too fast for him and, you know, a little bit, right now, you know, I'm just hitting my peak, I'm just hitting my prime, and, uh, you know, everything's kind of clicking together, I'm finally putting all my tools together, I got a little bit of a later start in this sport than most people, you know, I played hockey in in college until I was 23 years old, so I wasn't training mixed martial arts necessarily, I mean, I was always an athlete, you know, but Mm. I wasn't, you know, training in, you know, gyms like that, you know, I made gyms until I was 23 years old, and, you know, over the last, six seven years i've been training you know obviously mixed martial arts every day but and i had some catching up to do but this is finally the last year or two it really felt like all the pieces are coming together and you know i'm still improving you know a lot of guys by the time they're 30 years old they're not really improving much but i'm i'm not one of those type of guys every fight i improve you go through each one of the fights i'm always adding in different strikes and and uh different techniques and uh different coaches and stuff like that and uh Obviously, training an American top team, you don't stop improving. So I'm excited to show my skills you yeah. know, and my new skills.
1: Yeah, and we're really excited to see it too. Now, I'm, I'm going to switch topics on you just a little bit here because we know yeah. uh, you graduated uh, with a, a culinary degree and you, uh, you're you yeah. a chef on the side here. So now you, you talked a little bit about being a world traveler, heading to Amsterdam. Now you're heading to Japan. Uh, when you're doing all of this traveling, especially when they're fighting, you, know, you talked about Mexico City, you fought in Sweden. Uh, is, is it hard yeah. to go to these countries and not want to try all of the food there while you're cutting weight?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. That's definitely one of the biggest things. But you know, it's it's like like I said, uh, culinary arts and food and cooking, all that stuff is also one of my other passions. So like when I go there, sometimes I'll just live vicariously through my coach. I'm like, oh look at that. Well, like I'll go to a restaurant and I'll just order something and I'll see what they get, and then I'll just you know i definitely you know check out the food you know like like usually my family comes you know actually my mom and dad are flying out and my girl flying out for this fight so uh they'll be in japan so you know i'll probably still go to a couple of dinners just won't be able to indulge and in enjoy all the amazing cool foods but uh like i said it's also you know i can kind of see the stuff and see what it is and then obviously i got a day or two after the fight to you know see what i wanted the most and get to try it out you know i mean um you know, the plan is, is obviously, is obviously, you know, I'm going there for business for the fight in Japan, but I definitely, like I said, I'm I'm going to soak in as much as I can and different foods and stuff like that. Like I always, every time I travel, I always get cool different ideas too, from like, you know, the different cultures of food and stuff like that. And I just kind of add it to my book and, and to my, and to, you know, and just kind of keep it in my little journal, th- different things that I that I see so I mean I'm definitely looking forward to it
1: Mm -hmm. so the game plan is get another uh UFC bonus check and use it to head out and grab some Japanese food
2: (laughs) exactly exactly that's the plan you know get in there get the W get the 50k recharge bonus and uh you know Get to eat some Japanese food, you know, authentic Japanese food. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really looking forward to it, Charles.
1: Uh, once again, Charles fights Mazruto, Harota at U- uh, UFC Fight Night Japan on September 23rd. Charles, thank you so much for the time, and we're looking forward to watching it.
2: Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it.
0: There you have it, Gumby, Charles Rosa.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm really excited to see him fight a grappler like we talked about on that interview You know, he's he's got pretty much five strikers in five UFC fights. So it'll be excited to see if we get to see that, uh, that, you know, Ricardo Libero black belt
0: absolutely um so it's UFC 215 this weekend Gumby and god damn does no one know about it I've seen no commercials for it they've done no promotion they've basically just said to themselves we give up uh they were going to make their money from Connor versus Floyd whatever yeah. their cut was so they don't give a fuck about this card but some hardcore MMA fans certainly do there are some good fights on this despite being a little underwhelmed by the main event and we will start with the main event you have Demetrius Johnson going for his 88th win in a row at flyweight and he'll be taking on Ray Borg, fan favorite of this show. He is on a two fight win streak since losing a unanimous decision loss to Justin Scoggins. He came back and beat Luis smoka via unanimous decision and beat juicier Formiga via unanimous unanimous decision. Two fight win streak, two decisions. This is who we get to fight Demetrius Johnson. What a boring fucking main event go.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it isn't it isn't I mean like like he said, I love Ray Borg. Hold on, I'm gonna just cut you off right here.
0: It is and it isn't. Demetrius Johnson's a Minus twelve fifty favorite <laughs> Rayborg is a plus eight hundred dog that's your fucking main event yeah. go fuck you UFC <laughs> continue
1: plus eight hundred uh and I still have no interest in putting a penny on him you know like that that 's how bad those those uh odds are. It's going to be exciting in that you're going to see somebody with a different style fight Mighty Mouse, and you're going to find out how Mighty Mouse deals with, like, a dynamic grappler. Because has he fought, like, a dynamic, sub-heavy grappler? He hasn't. But, like, does that mean we expect Ray Borg to have any more success than any of the boxers, wrestlers, or anything else? No, No, we don't. But... Let's find out how Mighty Mouse dismantles this kind of guy. But from a
0: business standpoint, don't put it on pay-per-view. Don't main event a pay-per-view with it. Well, So 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 let's talk about that
1: for a quick second before we move on to the second fight. Do you think that maybe the fact that we haven't seen a commercial for this yet, that none of our friends who are not hardcore MMA guys even knew this fight was coming up this weekend— do you think maybe that has to do with hoping that this does shitty numbers so Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson has no leg to stand on in negotiations? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, he's, he's I been saying he... headline me, headline me, headline me. I need my pay-per-view money does 50,000 and then what what is he going to say? <laughs> well, his
0: floor, he basically always gets about 125, which is horrific like, mm. you know, kill yourself numbers for the UFC. And now you're right. With no promotion, uh, the question to me that's almost interesting from a business standpoint, does this do sub 100?
1: It, it might do sub 100, and if it does, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't think the UFC loses all that much sleep over it. Because Fuck no. Because what's an extra 30,000 buys when you can now lowball Demetrius Mighty Boss Johnson for the rest of his life you can you
0: can lowball Amanda Nunes well my only problem with that conspiracy theory and you might be right but it's like did they really need extra motivation to lowball him they already have all the stats they want he doesn't sell the division doesn't sell just kill it I don't even want to start talking about this let's just move on Uh, Amanda Nunes Valentina Shevchenko very exciting fight should have happened uh, back during international fight week Amanda Nunes had a bad weight cut they said she was sick who knows if that's fake news Valentina Shevchenko Shevchenko's won two in a row since losing to Amanda Nunes via decision. But here's the interesting part about that. We've spoken about it on the show many times. Amanda Nunes won the first two rounds against Valentina Shevchenko. Shevchenko came on like a fucking house on fire in the third round. Had that been a championship fight, I think Shevchenko would have taken over that fight and won. Then she beats Holly Holm. Then she uh, submits Juliana Pena. Two very impressive wins. And now she earns the title shot against Amanda Nunes, who is on a five-fight win streak, including wins over Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate um, herself. So who you got here?
1: Uh, I'm going Shevchenko uh, for, for exactly the reasons you just mentioned. I think that she's got the better stamina, and she's too technical to put away for Nunez's big, mean fists. You know what I mean? Like She's going to come in throwing haymakers, and Shevchenko cuts better angles than somebody like Misha Tate and definitely cuts better angles than somebody like Ronda Rousey. So like, as long as she keeps herself safe, for a round and a half, maybe two full rounds, she's going to win three, four, and five, and she might even win two, in my opinion.
0: Vegas doesn't know what to make of this fight. You can get Nunes as a plus 100 dog, a minus 105 favorite. You get Shevchenko as a minus 120 favorite. Uh, I agree with everything you just said. I'm picking Shevchenko. I don't even like what happened with Nunes and the bad weight cut. That worries me, and I've just been very impressed with Shevchenko, especially the fact that she pulled off an arm bar against Juliana Pena, who's a Jits-heavy girl herself. A very exciting fight, kicking off the main card gumby you have uh gil melendez minus 105 against jeremy stevens also minus 115
1: uh i think i like jeremy stevens in this one too uh only because i don't know what gil melendez looks like down at 145 i mean he's gonna be down away he didn't look you know he didn't look small at 55 right like he, Mm he i've never looked at him at 55 and been like damn he should lose some weight it was you look at him at 55 and you're like oh he's a big guy already now he's a guy at 45 He's going to look sucked down at 45, and on top of that, we don't know – know, what kind of, you know, he's coming off a of suspension. We don't know what that's going to do to him either. So you know, he's uh, had a fight since the suspension, but I know what you're saying.
0: Has he had one for the suspension? Uh, yeah, I'm almost positive. All right, you pull it up. Um,
1: but regardless, yeah, I, I like Jeremy Stevens in this one.
0: Yeah, he um, came back last year in July and lost a de- unanimous decision to Edson
1: Barbosa. Oh, okay. No shame in that one. Yeah. And that caused him to move out. All right. Yeah, no, I'll still take Jeremy Stevens. I'm with you. Uh,
0: Neil Magney, 165 dog to Rafael Dos Anjos, a minus 190 favorite at 170 i'm actually kind of surprised dosanios has the one win at 170 uh but you know magny's been a house on fire here the past couple of years what do you think
1: i'm gonna go with rda here too i just think the pressure's too much you think of the way that neil magny wins fights he winds up with a lot of top game and a lot of forward pressure i don't think he can out top game or out forward pressure rda rda looks so good at his debut in 170 and to me that this is going to sound weird the winner of this might be very close to a Tyrone Woodley title shot.
0: That's crazy to say. Because who else? <clears throat> who else? Yeah, the 170 division's a bit of a mess now. Well, I could definitely see. I mean, they're not going to match up Wonder Boy versus Woodley again. But if Masvidal beats Wonder Boy, I could see Masvidal right there for
1: the title. Yeah. Okay. So Masvidal would be close. But but in in that sense, I mean, I think RDA's got his foot in the door the same way that Masvidal does. No, I think
0: you're right. And I think they said actually that if um, Maya had dropped out, out they would have the, given it to RDA. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah I saw that rumor online, too. I didn't follow any of it and figure out if what you know if it was an unsubstantiated rumor. Uh, but, hey, I, I believe it. It would have been a fight. So RDA got a unanimous
0: decision victory over Tarek Safidine back in June as 170-pound debut. I'll tell you what, man. I'm actually going with Magny on this. I think he's going to have the reach on Dos Años. Oh, definitely. Um, and that's big to me. And I just don't know that I trust Dos Años anymore. Mm. I feel like I've seen his body fluctuate a lot when it comes to the weight. I don't know. I just, for whatever reason, I don't have like a ton of, uh, a ton of faith in it, but I think Magny... Uh, I don't know. I think Magny takes it, so I'm going with Magny. Mm-hmm. That's about the most exciting stuff on the main card, Gumby. When you look at the rest of the card, undercard on uh, FX, undercard on Fight Pass, give us some fighters or fights to watch out
1: for. A uh, fighter to watch out for, obviously, uh, had him on the show, so we're big fans. Arjun Buller, uh, making his UFC debut against Luis Henrique. If you didn't get a chance to catch the episode where we had him on, he's an Olympic wrestler from Canada. Really, really, really tough wrestler, and now he's He's a 10-0 prospect uh, in, the, in MMA. So really, really interesting to see where he shakes down in this division, which is pretty light on wrestlers now uh, given the, the current climate. And the fight I, I really am excited to watch. Rick Glenn, uh, previously of Rufus Sport, you know, hack of a kickboxer, is going to be fighting Canadian Gavin Tucker. And Gavin Tucker throws some freaking bombs. He won his UFC debut by beating Sam Cecilia. Uh, so I just can't wait to see what he does his second time out.
0: I am so underwhelmed by this card. You have Sarah McMahon versus Caitlin Vieira, Henry Cejudo versus Wilson Hayes. I guess that's an exciting fight at Flyweight, but I've already seen Demetrius Johnson murder both of them, right?
1: Yeah, so there's not much to be said to that matchup. So
0: anyway, it is what it is. If you're a hardcore MMA nerd like Gumby is, I'm sure you'll find some stuff to enjoy. And I'm sure I'll enjoy it too. I'm in a very sour mood right now, just because (laughs) after so much time off from the UFC, underwhelmed by last week, underwhelmed by the main event of UFC 215, Nunes versus Shevchenko, definitely gets my motor revving and I am interested by Magni versus Dos Anjos. so you do have something here I guess mm-hmm. I'm talking myself into it mm-hmm. that being said I don't think it's a pay-per-view worthy card okay <laughs> I am David Tremonti he is Daniel Gumby Reeland, Top Turtle MMA podcast we'll be back next week